yet. Hello and welcome back to the Couch Gym Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I'm joined, as always, by Matt. Ben Simmons might be a Celtic. Chamberlain, how you doing, Matt? Not bring that energy up anymore. <laughs> yeah. um, that is not how we do that in the garden. Um, he will never be a Celtic. Um, just we're going to stop that now. <laughs> bringing this negative energy in here. I just totally threw Matt off on this intro, and that was awesome. Just seeing your reaction was pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine the mindset of this team? We'd get run over 82 times a year. I mean, you kind of are getting run over right hey, now. Hey, <laughs> cut it out. Take you know all the you know out. all those years of giving me crap for Russ taking bad shots and Paul George getting absolutely erect. The the time has come back. Like I don't have anything to lose this season. You know? <laughs> like I I've, everything's been stripped away from me, Matt. This is this is all on you. This is all on your team. No, we are we are the disappointment. I understand, but it, it's it's a uh, it's been fun. I mean, does Luca own the team now? Is that? I mean, it feels like he's owned Boston the last like three times it played. So, Boston for the last what four years has had the worst like final ten seconds of a game defense of any team in the NBA. Like I swear, like there have been like fourteen buzzer beaters against Boston. Do you have like nightmares of like OG and Nobi hitting corner threes and Luca hitting step back threes and Chris Middleton, like Dennis Schroeder stripping Kemba in the backcourt and laying it in late in the game? How we're just continuously this bad in the final 10 seconds? Like, how do we just never know what to do or who to defend? But again, I, I digress. I could go on and on. I just had to twist the knife early. That's all. That's all. I haven't, I haven't done that in a while, and I need to spice things up a little bit. Josh Giddy would never. Josh Giddy has a, a, a wonderful mane of hair. I will not have you besmirch his name, all right? The Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> this is episode 126 of the Couch Game Podcast. Uh, we are... A way off the rails to start this off, but it, it's all good. <laughs> this is this is uh, the normal rigmarole for the podcast here. Uh, so if you haven't gotten a chance yet, follow us on Twitter or on Instagram. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. You can find us by searching for Couch GM Podcast, and you'd find our logo there. And if you are already haven't, give us a rating or review on the podcast platform of your choice. If you missed episode 125. Matt and I talked about Zion's injury. We get had met Matt had uh, guessed some stat leaders, which was a fun little game we played. And then uh, we talked about our big regrets. And boy, oh boy, do we have some regrets still. Um, but that leads us into this week's news, Matt. What 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 has happened this week? So let's start with the the big stuff, which is the. Phoenix Sun story, which gets mm. uh, put out there by ESPN. Just some great stuff there. Um, Extra homes, great reporting. I'll say terrible, terrible actual news, but um, yeah, great reporting there. And, you know, we're still in the to be determined stages for what's going to happen with the Phoenix Suns now, but just a absolute disaster in phoenix right now so that that's uh something i'm personally very just interested to see what the league can and will do and now we're getting similar reports out of portland with neil o'shea Mm. uh, and and the conduct of the workplace there so we had an owner down in phoenix and it really sounds like it's more than just the owner but owner's obviously the head or not the owner, the governor, my apologies. Um, and Phoenix, Robert Sarver, and then the, the Portland a bit now. I don't know, right? I guess I just get very confused. Like, why do people suck? Like, you know? Uh, you know, now? power trips. People go on power trips, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, just some really unfortunate stuff going on in Phoenix and, and in Portland. Um, 
I, 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 I mean, I, of course, like the people who came forward to talk about it, like kudos to them. That's a big thing to do, especially against like, you know, your boss, <laughs> the person who uh, pays your paycheck. And it sounds like this Phoenix thing has been happening for a while, but like you said earlier, the league kind of has a precedence for some of the stuff that happened in that story. I don't know. It's going to be fascinating to see how the league handles both of these. Of course, there's like the open investigation to like tampering this off season. That seems that might have to be put on the back burner. I don't know. Yeah. Seems a bit more important now. Um, right. But um, yeah, definitely something to keep uh, a watch on uh, moving forward there. So we'll move on to more, more, Basketball news, I guess. I don't know. Basketball, actual basketball stuff. Um, Ben Simmons, the never boy. Future. Do you want his jersey now, or do you want it ordered later? So, I am getting convinced that like Ben Simmons is never going to play another NBA basketball game again. I know it's not at all true. Do you think he? Do you think his camp leaked the story about him going to Boston? Is he just like trying, like, Ed to go anywhere? Is he like flailing, like a fish out of water? Just like, just trying to do anything at this point. Well, little reverse psychology there, where he's like, "Hey, look at like this stupid offer, like Philly is begging for. Like they know I'm not worth that. How dumb." Um, <laughs> But you know, um, I, I part of me is like, I feel like this is Boston that leaked it. To be honest, mm. just to be like, look at these idiots over here. Yeah, we were gonna trade like I don't know, like our two future firsts and yeah, I was like two Aaron Neesmith like, and yeah Robert Williams for Ben Simmons. Yeah, we're gonna trade like two starters plus a franchise potential cornerstone and a first yeah right get get out of here with that i i think that's just more so on the like screw philly like, don't, trust them. Like, don't trust philly it's the mantra of this podcast yeah. and i think like let's be honest like no one like thinks that's a good deal no one i think it just further like drives down philly's price like every time that kind of stuff gets out there right no, it's just like you guys are really that unreasonable. Like no one's taking these offers. What? Right. If you want anything, you're gonna have to go down, and then it's just how far down can you push them? So, right. Uh, right. Just a mess. On top of, on top of, Ben Simmons now gets fined again. Yeah. Because he refuses to report to the team mental health doctors. He will only uh, speak with the mental health professional provided by the NBA Players Association. And so he's getting fined all over again now. And of course, that's probably not going over great. But if you're Philly, you're like, I mean, you want, I guess your idea is, hey, you want a paycheck from the team? Talk to the team people. Yeah. The NBA PA can give you a check. Go talk to their people. I get why you have them. You're free to talk to them. But you know, we got people here too. We need you here for our team stuff. So, uh, what what a thing there. I I just don't know what to do with that anymore. Are yeah. You keep I, it, I, I, I mean, in the past, we've seen these things boil over to the point where they're just untenable anymore for either team or player. And I feel like we're past that point. Like, it feels oh. like it's just gotten super uncomfortable for both sides and neither wants to like really cave yeah uh i mean i guess I mean, ben simmons kind of did cave by showing up by reporting but i i feel like the team can't keep doing this but then their performance on the court seems to say otherwise i'll say but he didn't cave because he's like okay i'm going to do the same thing i'm doing but you're going to pay me now like i'm just standing in the corner right he didn't really cave um, but you're right. Like the team's playing, you know, fairly well. So maybe they don't quote unquote need him right now, but um, yeah, I just, I, I don't know how you even get this guy to keep coming back in the building at this point now, like for anything. So um, 
I'm glad we don't have to actually deal with that. I'm sure some intern, some HR dude is just like drowning in the paperwork right now. (laughs) Feel bad for Jeff. Jeff Um, from HR. Yeah. So, okay. Other news. um, Colin Sexton uh, tore his meniscus in his knee. So that Mm -hmm. sucks. Um, We're going to talk about Cleveland a little bit more later. So, you know, if for nothing else, it sucks because Colin Sexton's about to get paid. Yeah. So Cleveland's been, you know, trying to figure out, like, do we pay him or or not? And, again, that question's still up in the air, but can't trade him now. So it, I don't know what you do if you're Cleveland. Um, really complicates things moving forward in the future. So we'll see there. Um, and then now talking slight bit more serious um, about my Boston Celtics – Hosted a players-only meeting. Uh, I'm glad we were make it, able to make it into week three of the NBA season before that happened. Um, this seems like a once-a-year deal, right? Like, they get it out of the way now. I, I guess. Yeah, in the wake of the Marcus Smart comments, which we brought up last week, of calling out Jalen and Jason for not passing, we then go play Miami and Orlando, and it's like, oh, okay, everything's fixed. We gave up, like not even 80 points to each of those teams. We won. And it's like, well, our offense is still kind of crap. Um, but, you know, whatever. I I don't know what to do with this information. Part of me is like, I don't care. But I feel like it's something. I don't know. No one else is having a team meeting, players-only meeting right now. So, I mean, I feel like this core has been together long enough. It's just kind of... I don't know. It's at that point in the relationship where like, you know, each other really well and you're kind of just sick of each other. And I feel like this is like a come to Jesus, like, all right, let's, let's straighten this out before this gets just off the, off the tracks. And I've, I mean, it would have to be somewhat encouraging. Right. But it's also discouraging because this is like a new coach. Like you would think like a new fresh voice would be good for this team. And that was kind of the pitch for this whole thing. Um, but I don't know. Fundamentally, nothing's different about this team on or off the court. Mm. So that's pretty disappointing. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm not even saying like that's Udoka's fault. But right. It is what it is. This is the same thing we've had. We can talk about rotations and minute allocation and all that. It's the same team. It's the same team it's been for the last three years. So, um, yeah, I, I can have my opinions all day about what to do or not to do. But uh, the Celtics are not a part of the, the rundown today. So, not today, except for the Ben Simmons trade, trade rumor hey, stuff, which is hey. crazy. So <laughs> we're going to talk about early season surprises. And so some of these are good surprises, some of these are bad surprises. Um, I don't know. The last one I don't think is really a surprise, but some people it is, I guess. Anyway, so Ryan. <laughs> Let's talk. Let's talk some good good things. Let's talk some good things. Yeah, take um, your energy somewhere else. So good, good <laughs> Got to flip this around. Got to flip this around. So let's talk about John Morant. I think we've been uh, just floored with how well John Morant has been playing um, this year so far. He's uh, he's taking that leap into superstardom that we really haven't. We didn't think we would get from him this soon. Um, or uh, this quickly. Um, right. We thought, you know, the Grizzlies are kind of a rebuilding team, and it seems like the Grizzlies kind of went all in on just him, and, like, it's kind of paying off. Yeah, the the fact that John Morant, like, again, a number two overall pick, like, you hope they're going to be a franchise cornerstone. Right. But the fact that John Morant, like, personality-wise – is proving like I like I am the franchise. It's something I didn't see in week three mm. or year three. You know, right? Right. Um, I again bring it up when he was coming to the draft. My comp was Russell Westbrook and Terry Rozier's body. Terry Rozier or Terry Rozier. <laughs> Russell Westbrook was the foundation. He was the guy for Oklahoma City for what a dozen years. And, you know, beloved and just 
the freak athlete who has no off button and just go, go, goes. And every now and again, you're going to be like, oh, my God, please don't hurt yourself. Mm. But God dang, when it's working, you're just like, how are you going to stop this? Just off of pure like effort and motor and just enthusiasm for the game. I would say Jaw has this feel for pick and rolls and just like how his team plays that I don't know if Russ has ever quite mastered because his change of pace this year has just been something else. Russ came into the league at a different point in time, though. That's a good point. Came in stylistically, like how he played. Right. John Morant, like the league is not, you know, built that way anymore. Right. Like there's a certain level of efficiency now that has to be met. And you're right, Jaw is fairly advanced for his the way he plays otherwise in that area. Jaw this season is top ten in uh, points per game and also top ten in assists per game. Mm. His well, play he gets so far into the lane because he just beats his man every time. Yeah, defense to help. Yeah, the Grizzlies kind of putting. We kind of talked about it, mentioned it, I think, last week. The Grizzlies putting, uh, I mean, even Triple J just consistently playing has been a big help because he's technically a stretch four. But then two other shooters around him, it's just like it's been incredible for him. And then mm-hmm. Steven Adams is sending these incredible picks um, and being able to re- rebound the ball, like has really just cleared up a lot of stuff for Jaw to be able to be more aggressive and get downhill and then spray it out to shooters. Uh, and that's without like Dylan Brooks playing, right? Like that's mm-hmm. without one of the better players for the Grizzlies. Um, I've been super impressed with Jaw this year, watching him, and this Grizzlies team, it's been a lot of fun. I haven't really expected them to, to, to develop this way. I mean, I had them kind of on a fringe play-in team. And I, I didn't think they would be this good at this point in the year. Like, I would expect them – they're currently at 5-4. and four. So, I mean, I was thinking maybe, I don't know, 3-6 and six for them. Right now, I, I thought they'd be more two or three wins. To yeah. be honest, yeah, uh, they're I mean currently tied with Denver and the Clippers for five, six, and seven. Which I mean, the Lakers are five and five right now. Who knows if this is gonna stand? But we're I mean, ten games into the season, that's a, almost a good sample size at this point, right? I think so. It, I think it's also like just. It can't just be the box tours for them. It's how they're playing. Right. Like they have a, a really good team. But you know, they they had a pretty good team no matter what. It was just like, did they have enough at the top to carry all these role players? And John Morant like is. And mm. and I think what what's still getting me almost a little like confused of like how is this really happening is He's a 6'3", 170-pound guard who's taking two-thirds of his shots within 10 feet of the basket. Right. And he's somehow doing doing this on, like, a 57% true shooting percentage. Mm. Like, I mean, the even the three, like, I'm not going to say it looks great. But it's going in at a 35% clip right now on almost five attempts a game. That's good volume. Right? So if he can hover around like 33 to 35% all year on four to five attempts per game from three, continue to just annihilate the lane every time he gets in there. And then as long as Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr., and all those other guys can just continue hitting the spot up threes he's creating for him. Like Memphis's offense, it's like it's pretty simple, but it's exactly what you'd want like to be around John Brandt. It's like what Oklahoma City could never do for us, which is just like, here's an elite. I mean, ironically, Stephen Adams in this situation, but like <laughs> here, 
here's a roll man, and then here's three shooters. Right. Like, could you imagine if Oklahoma City could put, you know, three 38% and above three-point shooters out there around Russ? Listen, Russ got the MVP with passing the guys like Deontay Burton on in the yeah. corner. And, and, like, uh, like that's the kind of guys Russ played with post-KD. I'm sure – Russ in a similar situation would thrive, but yeah, to your point, Jaw has just been awesome this year, and a lot of that's due to his team being a lot better, yeah. um, and just not like posting up Jonas Valanciunas every other possession. Well, and that wasn't even bad offense last year because Jaw just like he could always get to the rim, but like he didn't know what to do from there. Right, and this year it, it seems like he is feeling the game, seeing the court so much better. Like he's always taking what feels like the right shot of either like I'm in the lane. So this is the thing to do right now, the floater, just the full elevation finish or the, Oh, the defense helped, Mm. you know, opposite side kick out or strong side help. You know, don't take this, you know, all the way to rim stop kick out. Like, he's just making the right decision at the right time this year. And last year, like, he couldn't consistently do it. And part of it could have been the players last year. Like, the sporting players weren't ready to do it either. But, like, Valentinus saying helped a lot last year. But Valentinus would have been redundant this year. Mm-hmm. For the steps Jaws taken. And so I'm not saying Stephen Adams is a better player. But maybe Stephen Adams knows how to get out of the way a little bit. He's played yeah. with this type of guy before, right? Right. And... Um, yeah, yeah. I just, I really like this Memphis team more than watching them now, more than I did at the beginning of the year. I mean, of course, Jaw's a lot, a big piece of that. Um, I think Jaw is an all NBA player right now, which I wouldn't have said at the beginning of the year. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's at 25.7 assists, five and a half rebounds. I mean, He's still turning it over quite a bit, but can't be too mad at that, I guess. And Memphis is good, good-ish, good enough. Yeah. I mean, Memphis is offensively like around middle of the league and all the like traditional stats. So like, this feels like just a playoff team. Like if you're just kind of middle of the pack, you're kind of in that playoff conversation. Um, and I don't know. I I think jaw, is he in the most improved or is he not qualified for most improved player? Yeah. It's hard for like a third year guy like that. It's, I don't know. Everyone knew he was good, but this good. I'll say this is, this is great now. Yeah. So I, I think he can be in the conversation. I think he'd be in the conversation. That's fine. I would put him in the conversation. We must also have to have a conversation about um, Taylor Jenkins. Mm. My, my, my need to be in the. I know we're you know nine ten games in. We might need to make sure he gets penciled in in that coach of the year discussion. Yeah, for sure. Taylor Jenkins has he missed the playoffs yet? Uh, I guess I te- right technically have made it. Yeah, technically they made it. But he's good. And like they're developing players. He's, yeah, he's just. I'm kind of fascinated to see Dylan Brooks once he comes back. How this team plays, that's going to be the biggest thing, right? Definitely will be. Yeah, how much Dylan Brooks do we get? A lot of Dylan Brooks. Let's move on to some bad stuff. Yeah, so we talked about a positive superstar. Now we're going to go on to a negative superstar, and so. Again, just bringing up the the past Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, That's what you get for bringing up Ben Simmons to the Celtics. Uh, (laughs) James Harden here. Um, Superstar of of the New York nightlife. Mm. Uh, Just, I mean, we can talk about the foul situation. But more than that, like, this dude's just not in shape. He's not in shape, and he looks like he's lost a step. 
that's the concerning thing. Like if you're a Brooklyn fan or think the Nets are going to win the finals, like I, I did to start the season, you have to be concerned about the way James Harden's playing. Like he looks super disengaged so far. I'm watching the Bulls Nets game right now. The Bulls went on a run here in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Bulls have just absolutely destroyed the Nets in the fourth quarter. Um, 34 to 13 in the fourth quarter. Do the Celtics know something about that? Those numbers sound hey. familiar to me. <laughs> hey, hey, God. Hey. I'm also confused why the Bulls still have like all their starters and they're up 20 with two and a half minutes left. But yeah, it's really confusing. I think James Harden's already looking for a place to get a drink uh, after the game um, and might well, be halfway there. Some Chicago deep dish pizza, but. So, yeah, James Harden's just not very good, has not been very good this season. He hasn't been James Harden. Um, and that's kind of concerning, right? Like, how do you – if it's just Kevin Durant and, like, some washed-up dudes, like, what is this Brooklyn team? Yeah. Um, not great. Now, Kevin Durant's playing MVP-level basketball. Right. But you're right, like – just everyone that was like the great role players of last year, like Joe Harris just doesn't really feel like a part of the team yet. Mm. Like Bruce Brown's like role has kind of been diminished. Yeah. Um, Blake's Blake looks old this year. Uh, getting a little bit worried there. It's like, they care a little too much about like LaMarcus Aldridge. Yeah. It's just like, weird stuff like that and you're like okay but you know it's fine because kevin durant and james harden like it's fine it's not fine with james harden like (laughs) great opinions lose like 15 pounds it really like i don't know what it what's going on um i just don't know what's going on like I've, i've tried to watch them and like he he's not doing he's not getting hardly downhill at all and it's not like he doesn't have the space to get downhill. Um, it's like he gets to like his defender on his hip and has just every instinct to like try to draw a foul, and it just doesn't work. Yeah, can't do it anymore. Um, I, I, I do think the foul thing is worth mentioning. Like there are just some players, and we you can see this from high school. You can see it in college. Mm-hmm. Every time they, they do something, they're looking for a foul. Like, even if you don't think you're going to get it, they just look for it every time. And we're kind of like in a Pavlov's dog experiment here, ringing the <laughs> bell or something. Like, <laughs> like James Harden is used to getting the call. Right. You know, whistle. That's right. A, like the bell ringing here. Um, <laughs> like, he's just used to it. And, like, it's just instinctual. Like, I do this, this happens. And, now it's not, and it's like he he's almost seems like, what do I do now? Like, what's my counter? What's my move now? James Harden is currently averaging 18.7 points per game, which among guards is like 21st, and that's what just guards. Point? Like, you're looking – like, Russell Westbrook is scoring more points per game than James Harden. And doesn't look good when either of them are playing, but that's that's kind of the point. Is like it in today's NBA, like I know it just sounds good, like scoring twenty points per game, which is about where he's at. It's not that hard to be a starting 30, 35 minute player in the NBA and get twenty points per game. So, you know? for context. So, okay, so let's look at his MVP runs in Houston, right? He was handling the ball a little bit more, but playing around the same minute total. So starting in 17-18, he was at 30 points per game. 18-19, he was at 36 points per game. 19-20, he was at 34.3 points per game. 20-21 in Houston, he was at 24.8. He finished the season with 24.6 when he came over to Brooklyn, and then this year he's at 18. If that doesn't smell decline, like spell out decline, I don't know what does. Like, I know he's in a different situation now than he was in Houston, but in like two seasons, he went from 
averaging 30, almost 40 points a game to 18 points per game. And maybe he flips this all around and it makes me look like an idiot, but I don't know. I think, you know, it's a classic basketball phrase of like, okay, go do the easy thing then. Like, you can't get a bucket. Like, go do the easy thing. Right. He doesn't have that. Like, and again, part of this might just be the weight issue. Yeah. I mean, he's shooting like 40% from the field, which is like one of the worst marks of his entire career. He hasn't done that since his rookie season back in Oklahoma City. Right. But like, I watch him play now, and I've probably watched what, like five Nets games. And not that he was ever like obviously a giant leaper, but. I don't – wow, John Morant just <laughs> did the exact same thing we've been talking about. Um, just a thunderous slam with a minute left in the game. Mm. Um, but I, I know he's not, James Harden's not an elevation guy, but, like, he's not getting off the ground when he jumps, like, at all. Yeah, like, where's the – Where's the like floater, you know, that became so deadly. I know he really doesn't have that lob partner anymore. And maybe that's some of the issue. Like the Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge pick and roll isn't really like the best pick and roll partner for him. He needs someone like a Nick Claxton to be able to like really get downhill and be that lob threat. Andre Jordan. Oh God. (laughs) Do we have to do that? (laughs) Hey, I get, okay, John. Okay, little little three ball there with thirty seconds left. Mm. Um, but I get your point, right? Like he he's been used to having that look, and he doesn't have that look right now. Um, it's a bunch of pick and pop stuff. Yeah, and and maybe that uh, the role the Clint Capellas, the DeAndre Jordans in his career really helped him just unlock that floater, whatever you want to call it. You know, lob game. And that's something that, to be honest, like Brooklyn could probably go out and get. Like, it's not that hard to go get that. Right. But it's also just kind of one of those, well, I get it. You don't have that. But you're James Harden. Yeah. Like, where where's your bag? You right. know? like The okay. one that you claimed Giannis didn't have, by the way, essentially. <laughs> Like all of a sudden now you can't get to your floater or you can't get to the line and and you're in a panic. Yeah. Like where where's all these great dribbling moves? Like we we joked about Harden like dribbling the basketball like into oblivion, but it's like where where's it all now? Right. right. Okay, dribble into oblivion. Like do do one of those cool combos. Right. Doesn't have it. Right. Get now. get downhill create separation you know do things and it's going to be fascinating to watch to see if he can get himself into shape over the next like month or so because if the nets are like just a tick above 500 maybe around december like a month from now what i mean what do you do do you try to trade Kyrie? yeah you should try and trade him now but um you gotta think but in a month james harden's will be five pounds lighter, if not more than that. Yeah. Anyway, it, this is just this is just like high school, right? Those football guys come over, and all of a sudden, basketball shape is a whole lot different than anything else you ever do, right? Mm. Basketball shape, you got to be able to go up and down mm. for, you know, five to ten game minutes at a time. Right. Which, you know, could be like 10 to 15 real minutes, and you don't get to stop. And you know, you got to give those footballers some time. Just got to give them, give them some reps, get them practice, and then uh, get them in the games. It's like, it's like when Ben Simmons comes over to Boston. You just got to give them some time to. (laughs) Hey. Hey. So you know, like I'm, I'm just like, trust it for now. But if you know what you're saying, like January first, January fifteenth rolls around, if nothing's different then might have to talk talk yeah it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be interesting to see how this james harden thing plays out because they just got absolutely whopped by chicago and 
I don't know. Is Chicago in that top three? Should we start considering? That's a different topic, but. Chicago's closing lineup's really good. Really good. Really good. Um, Let's move on to something good. And I can't believe I'm about to say this, Matt, but Cleveland and good. How is this working? Is this another like early season hype train to get on Cleveland? And then like two months from now, they're going to. Yeah. Yeah. And this is when right about the when the wheels started falling off for this team. Right. The Sexton injury. I was like, oh, yeah, it's very on brand. Yeah. Um, To be honest, Kevin Love being in health and safety protocols. Maybe that's not a bad thing, though. Um, and Laurie Markkinen too, right? And Laurie Markkinen, yeah. That one, that one is bad. That one um, is bad. He's been good for them. Like those big lineups have been weirdly good. I know. I'm very confused. But I mean, everyone's talking about Evan Mobley, right? Yeah. And he he's been good for a rookie. I'm saying that for a rookie. But um, you know, I. I, I I bet the under on Cleveland, like win totals for the year. Mm. It's like 26 and a half. I still feel okay about it, to be honest. Just, you're telling me Cleveland's got to win 20 more games this year. They are seven and four currently. Yeah. As of this recording, seven and four. They're, I mean, of course, they're playing in the East. Their schedule is going to get a little bit harder, right? Like Milwaukee's not just not going to play Giannis forever, play yeah. their full lineup. You're going to many Ricky Rubio 37 point games. Yeah, Portland, Portland's not going to be blitzing you, I don't know, by February, at least I hope not. Um, and like allowing Ricky Rubio to go off like that, right? Yeah. It, it, this team is kind of fascinating. Like it's 20, it doesn't do anything particularly well, like on offense. Like they're only 21st yeah, in the league in points per game, they are like fifth in assists per game. So the ball's moving, right? That's like very Rubio-ish, right? Yeah. yeah. Just kind of insert Ricky Rubio, and he's going to probably get you in the top 10 for assists per game. Um, I feel like that's an Evelyn Mobley thing, too, because he kind of likes passing the ball a little bit. Well, he likes passing the ball, but he can turn and face, and he's willing to pass. Yes. Um, he's a little – again, I can comment on Evan Mobley. Like, he's been better than advertised – like coming out of college, like any even the highest of Evan Mobley supporters, like he's better now than he ever looked at USC ever. Mm. Um, I mean, part of it's don't get me wrong, most of his finishes are still like just alley oops, yeah, dunks. right? Like they are any threes he takes are wide open catch and shoots, and he doesn't make a good chunk of the ones that he honestly should make, but. You know, he was never tabbed as a shooter. The passing is is better than expected. But if you go watch every assist, they're not overly complicated passes. Like, and they don't have to be, you know. Someone making the right play isn't the flashiest play. So, and then defensively, we can talk on the defense for Cleveland, which has been particularly impressive, I would say. Yeah, 10th in opponent's points per game, sitting at 104.9. So, I mean, like their offense is good, isn't all that great, but they're able to get yeah. like a point and a, point and a little bit different difference there. And part of that is Mobley on the defensive end, like for sure. Right. Because like Jared Allen's done like a decent job playing on the perimeter. Our boy and, Jared uh, Allen. Yeah. Uh, also super efficient offensively, Jared Allen. Mm-hmm. But with Mobley defensively, like what what people need to realize about Mobley is like he's not super twitchy out there. Like, but he's very smart. Like he's not trying to like dance. Mm. Like he's like, my feet are kind of here, like they're ready to move, but I'm not gonna move them at every single jab step you do. <laughs> you know? It's right. like once I see you actually like do something like where you're actually moving with the ball, I can like quickly react to it and use my length to help. But like you see some centers, like they get happy feet out there and they're, they're just dancing and Evan Mobley doesn't do that. So mm. I think that's been more impressive to me than anything about Evan Mobley's defense is 
like he stepped into the NBA game and he's like, I'm not going to bite on all the extraness that, that comes with NBA guards. So I'm just going to stay in front. Like, and I know I have ridiculously long arms. So you want to do a step back? Okay. I'll contest. If you want to drive at me? Okay. I just have to like stay in front of you and like not bite on fakes and just put my hands up. Yeah. Like he, he's basically just really mastering all the simple parts of basketball. Mm. So if you're Cleveland, like that's, that's a big win, you know, just to have a guy who's like, Oh, you're just a really good basketball player. Yeah. They kind of have done a nice job over the last Cleveland. That is have, they've done a really nice job over the last couple of years of drafting like Isaac Okoro with both like Evan Mobley is a good piece. Darius Garland. And like even I mean Collins, we can talk about Colin Sexton, but I like Colin Sexton. Is he like the best fit with some of those pieces they've drafted? Probably not, but I don't know. Player for sure. He's an NBA player and he's done some nice things. Um I just I I like this team. I don't know if it's a ultimately like a playoff team. If you had to if I had to put money on it, I think you're right. Like I would probably side with you that they would win closer to 30 games rather than be a playoff team. Yeah, but 30 wins for a season and competitive with real building blocks. Like that is still a win for Cleveland. Yeah. If they do better than that, I think it's just gravy. Mm, Such a great point. Such a great point. Just got to baby steps with Cleveland here. (laughs) So the team that seems to be taking baby steps backwards or – well, in Zion's case, big steps backwards. New Orleans Pelicans. Oh, God. Um, <sighs> I, I don't know where to start. They're an awful watch. Basically, every game they're in, I'm betting the under. They are one in nine right now. Is there a serious question? Is their season just done? Yeah. Straight up. Like, you can put Brandon Ingram back on the court for this team, which. And he hasn't got to play much this year. I mean, what's he doing that's fixing, like, problems they have? Because basically their problems are we don't have a lead ball handler. Like, we can give Nikhil Alexander-Walker, like, more chances. Like, I'm cool with that. Like, he's still a young dude. But, like, it's not working, you know? Like, they have no lead guard presence. They have no one that can, like, just, like, calm everyone down. Be like, this is what we're doing. They have no it, one to go to right now for like a clutch shot. You know, no you know that man. I just wish Lonzo. He's so good for the Bulls right now. I wonder if. Oh, that's right. The Pelicans had him and they gave him away for nothing. That's right. I forgot about that. I. And what they got back for Lonzo? Like, what are they doing with it? Like, it's nothing. It's nothing, and that's like that's the thing with this. This Pelicans team has been so mismanaged that I I don't know how it's supposed to survive without Zion. <laughs> Did you see that from Cat? No, uh-uh. I'm watching Golden State Atlanta game. He just banked in a three from like half court at the end of regulation to tie the game. <laughs> uh, Your face, oh my god. Yeah, he did. Okay. <laughs> My boy, Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> like, your Pat boy. From last year lives on. Um, <laughs> but, uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> New Orleans, less good. Um, Not banking in any threes from anywhere. It, like, I don't even hate some of the pieces they have. Like, I really don't. But it just isn't working at all. And, like, I can't even blame like Willie Green for it either. Like I don't know what I would do either. I mean, you're missing, uh, you're missing like Brandon Ingram. You're missing Zion Williamson for who knows how long. Um, and yeah, I mean, your talent is not non-existent right now. Like, what are you supposed to do? Like, if your offense was designed around Zion being the lead ball handler, like, yeah, it they're missing a huge, huge piece in Zion. Like what do you, what how do you even recover from that? Good teams can't do that, right? Most of the time. Like um, New Orleans is so thin. They're starting like Herb Jones 
who was is a rookie out of Alabama who averaged like 10 points a game at Alabama last year. Very good all-around player. But like that's not the point. It's right. like, like they're like, oh, you can play like this much defense at the NBA level, you're starting. We don't have anyone else who's six foot eight can, that can like do that consistently, they feel like. I feel like Trey Murphy hasn't been bad. They're I mean Trey Murphy has been five, but he's gonna get buried by the fact that they're one and nine. Yeah, and it's like it doesn't really matter. I I mean seriously, if it wasn't for Jonas Valentunas, who we were talking about previously in the Memphis segment, if it wasn't for Valentunas, they wouldn't have a win. And mm. they wouldn't even been remotely close in half their losses. Like Valentunas is legit like saving them. Like I've watched like probably three Pelicans games this year. Bless you. Keeping them afloat. I, I don't I mean, I don't know what you do with this team currently. Like, how do you – what gets better? You go full tank. Ooh. I think you just do it. Embrace it. Lost year. What if Zion doesn't come back? Like, in the real way that Zion can come back. This year? I, I think you just tank it and just – Pray that he can come back at a decent, decent yeah, weight and, like, and be like, in. Look, man, you have twelve months starting now. Mm. Like I need you to look like you did when you came out of Duke. Yeah, so, and that it. To be honest, like your franchise isn't going anywhere if Zion's not Zion. Like uh, I'm sorry, Brandon Ingram doesn't matter. If Zion's not Zion, whatever else you have doesn't matter. Mm. So. That's where I'm at. I, so I'm not even on the court word. The dude averages 25 points a game once he gets on the court. Right. You know? And now defensively, he has some work to do, but let's just get him in shape. Like, straight up. Like, I'm that worried about him. Like, year be damned. Just forfeit the rest of the year. Straight mm. up. Like, mm. we're going to do three days. It's all conditioning. <laughs> like, from here on out. Just get him back like, into shape and hope Whatever it takes. Straight up, whatever it takes. That's yeah. all I'm doing. Like I'm not doing anything else. Yeah, this team is just a dumpster fire. I don't know if there's much else to talk about outside of that. Like they're not really all that interesting without any of their studs playing. Yeah, no, they're. I, I've said I watched about three games of theirs, and I have. I'm unless Zion plays, I'm not looking to watch more than a couple more this year. Mm. Yeah, I, you're smart. So you get the bad watches out of the way early. I'm watching Golden yeah. State and Atlanta right now. Good teams. That's the thing about. I'll probably flip over to that here. We also. Have it's a, a fun game. It's been up and down here. Trey Young's LA been Charlotte about to tip. Um, so, but yeah, New Orleans. Like, just I feel bad for Willie Green. I think Willie Green has more potential than this. I agree. I agree. Some one last good good team. Your boys, the Washington Wizards. I'm not going. I'm very mad. Like I talked myself out of putting them in the playoffs. They, I mean, they've just been. I mean, it's the whole thing that we've been talking about for ages of like play guys who don't suck, and they found like half a team trading for Russell Westbrook here. Right. Guess what? They got all the players who don't suck, and we're. Didn't. Um, like their their lineup is I, they're just deep. Like they have guys like KCP, Aaron Holiday, Rui Hachimura, who I don't think has played yet. Has he come come back yet? I didn't see him the other day when I watched him. Ral Neto, I think mean, Daniel Gafford's currently hurt. Their first round pick Corey Kispert, who I think you were like very high on, like could just play right out of the gate for any any NBA team. He's kind of that good. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie's been awesome coming off that injury last year. And Kyle Kuzma's been good again. Like, I, you're just going to get, like, production from this team because they, they're just all kind of just fringe, really good, really hardworking NBA players. Like, they're all good rotation players. And it's just amalgamation of that. Yeah. And something that they like haven't had before is okay what happens whenever player x is having a bad night a lot of times they never had someone else to go to 
right now, if you're sucking, all right, gone. Like yep. Ben, we got five other guys on the bench that can actually play this year. You know, so mm. it, it's all of a sudden like Denny Avdia, top pick last year. Now doesn't have to do everything, but he can just come in, do his thing, and then when it's time for him to sub out, sub out and bring back in, you know, whomever else. I I, I really like that this team diversified all the players it had. It has a variety of skill sets. If Bertans is hitting one night, just leave him in. Mm. If he's not, pull him. I they they have a bunch of good players, right? And also Credit one Wes Unseld Jr. This team's at least trying on defense. Yeah, they're. Pre- I mean, they're pretty good. I was just looking at their defensive numbers. I think they were around like 104 in defensive rating. Yeah, 103.1 in defensive rating, which is, I don't know, feels like miles better than they've been in years. I'll say it. Only a slight exaggeration. It feels like they're at like 130. <laughs> yeah, Plus. last year they were at 112.3 in defensive yeah. rating. So yeah, it it is significantly better. I mean, early, early sample size, but so far so good. Yeah, well, yeah, you're gonna win a lot more games when you're shaving ten points off the other team score every night. Like, crazy how that works. <laughs> Even like Bradley Beal. Again, we've seen Bradley Beal in spurts like play defense, but it, we've always said this, and I I know I've been a big Brad Beal supporter. Is give him something to play for. Like yeah. I don't blame Brad Beal for like kind of dogging it on defense when it's like, well, it doesn't matter if I play defense or not because this team sucks on defense. Yeah, Davis Bertans is getting torched every other possession behind me. And now now you have guys like Montrez Harrell who, I mean, he's not the best defender in the world, but at least he's an energy guy in the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. And so now it's kind of like, okay, at least everyone has a reason to care now on that end. And Washington just hasn't had that in a while. It's kind of why mm-hmm. you made the rust trade is you were hoping to capture that. And I guess to a degree you did, but it's kind of like, I hope this is the wake up call to Washington along with like so these other teams that like are in, you know, semi major markets of like, it's the same thing Brooklyn did, you know, under Kenny Atkinson is like, there's a value in just kind of being relevant and like above average. I mean, this is how, I, I, in a roundabout way, Brooklyn got its stars, right? Like they, yeah. they just proved they were a competent NBA team, NBA franchise. They had a good culture, and like things bounced their way cap wise. I, I mean, who knows if that can happen with Washington? But the idea is still in place. Like you yeah. have Bradley Beal, and you have a bunch of these contracts you can flip to be other superstars or another superstar. And and that's the same thing the Knicks are doing right now. Mm. And again, people will come available. Things will open up. I, I think Washington's in a really strong spot for the next, you know, couple of years. They don't. I don't care if they make the playoffs this year or not. Right. They're showing the organizational competency on and off the court that you just need to show sometimes. So, mm. I, overall, I like Washington. They're 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 a good watch. They're like a good NBA fan watch they're going to be a good regular season team who knows mm-hmm. if they make the playoffs what what that all entails but yeah they're going to be a yeah, good regular yeah. season team i'll say they they're not worried about that right now though right so let's just talk on it then let's just go there for the, for the last bad surprise and again maybe it's not a surprise depends if you watch basketball um russell westbrook oh boy disaster like it's we talk a about fires and disasters. This is this is some maybe in its own category. This has been uh, I don't want to be over dramatic, but it has to be one of the worst like disasters that's happened this season is Russell Westbrook just being absolutely terrible. I mean, like he's been a total negative for the Lakers, wrong. right? Yeah. Okay. So, like, again, we can run through just the box score stats, right? And it's, they're going to say 19 points a game, eight assists, eight and a half rebounds, you know, almost a steal and a half. And it's like, oh, wow. Like, okay. Like, you know, that's pretty good. But then you get into, okay, what what's like the efficiencies? Like, well, committing 
five turnovers a game, shooting, you know, 42% from the field, which currently if he continued on the field goal percentage pace he's on, the only two seasons he had worse than that were his first two years in Oklahoma City. Mm. Three-point shooting on four attempts a game is sitting at a 27% right now to go along with 63% from the free throw line. So sounds good. We we talk about guys being three level scorers. I mean, Russ is a zero level scorer right now. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. It's hard to wrap your mind around how a guy that athletic and a guy who's been so dominant and all, you know, all the, the words you want to use to describe them. Just kind of like it, it actively looks like he just doesn't have it anymore. I mean, the last three years, 27 points per game, 22 points per game, 19 points per game. I, it, keep, it keeps dropping off, right? And even in field goal percentage, it went from 47 to 43 to 41. And like Russ has, we've also seen this with Russ before where he started off really slow and ended kind of strong, but I just don't know. Like, I don't know what, like his free throw or his three point shooting, excuse me, is just bad. His free throw shooting has totally dropped off. Yeah. Um, I don't, like, I don't know. All of this stuff isn't necessarily bad. But in the context of Lakers, it makes it that much worse, right? Right. The fact that they have basically no money anywhere on their team besides the top three guys. So, yeah, it's like they are completely dependent on the guys they're paying, like actually paying to do something. Mm. They just don't have anyone else to do it. And, like, I mean, Russ still gets to the rim, but like the decision making and finishing there is like abysmal. So it's like, let me give you this: Russell Westbrook takes thirty six percent of his shots within three feet of the rim. Ryan, like, that's quite a bit for a guard. I mean, that's pretty on pace with where he was like at his pinnacle, like in Oklahoma City. Mm. He's he's shooting fifty one point five percent within three feet of the rim. His only season worse than that was his rookie year. <laughs> like, he's still there getting is. the rim. Like, I mean, you look at his career, like, he's always basically in that, like, 30 to 37% of his shots are at the rim. So, like, that's really not any different. But, like, he can't finish any of them, you know? The, the, uh, you know, three to 10 foot shots. Those like kind of mid rangey shots that like people like don't hate, but don't love either. I mean, he's shooting 43% on them, which like, isn't bad for Russ. Like it's like his second highest ever, but it's just not an efficient shot though. Like you have to shoot that at like 50 plus percent for that to be an efficient shot. Yeah. Kind of going back to that stat, those stats you listed off is the, is the percentage field goal percentage around the rim down because of Russ, or is it because of some some of what the Lakers are doing with playing like a traditional center a lot yeah, of the time with Anthony Davis and Russell out on the floor? Yeah, definitely could be part of that, but like that's not changing, right? Yes, that's the point. Is like it doesn't matter if that's the reason. Like it's not necessarily getting better. Mm. It's a great point. Yeah, like I don't. I think you're right. Like they forced Anthony Davis to play um, center the other night. And that's not, I mean, Anthony Davis said it very publicly. He doesn't want to play center. So I don't know how like tenable that is for the Lakers and how like the Lakers will manage that tension with, you know, their young budding superstar, not young or budding, their young superstar and Anthony, Anthony Davis and what, the style that Russell Westbrook wants to play. Yeah. Tonight, DeAndre Jordan started at center. Um, Russ actually just threw a great lob to him. Mm. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, but we'll see it all over sports center. Um, <laughs> it's but, also, they're playing the Hornets. You said, yeah, I don't think the Hornets are defending the rim whatsoever. So, yeah. but 
I think with with Russ, the things that like he can actively control to get better are going to have to be the free throw shooting. Mm. It's going to have to be spot up threes. Like I don't care what he wants to do, he's got to take spot up threes. Like he just has to. He's got to hit like one or two a game to make yeah. the defense honest, right? Like that's yeah. the that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Kind of like one a half. Yeah, one yeah. a half. And then uh, the turnovers. Like, turnovers are just part of Russell Westbrook. Like, it's going to happen, whether you want him to or not. Like, he's a part of who he is as a basketball player. Like, I get it. But you you can cut it down. We can, we can get that number down to three. Right. You know? Like, it doesn't have to be at five. Right. So, yeah. you know, you have LeBron James on your team. You're not, you shouldn't be handling the ball that much anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the other interesting piece to this Russ thing is they haven't really figured out that piece yet, how LeBron is going to be the primary ball handler while Russ is off ball. Now, I don't – I wouldn't expect them to have an answer for that within the next 10 games, but they're going to have to figure that piece out sooner rather than later. So. LeBron being out for a few games has kind of given Russ the, you know, runway to do his thing. Mm. Right. And I, I just wonder one, I mean, are we past the point of the conversation anyway? Like Russ is just going to do what Russ wants to do, but let's just say he's not there mentally. Like he's still potentially open to the idea of changing. Mm if he goes and plays all these games without LeBron and like plays well, you know, quote unquote, well, and the Lakers win a couple. Yeah. Is he going to be like, no, that's how it has to be. Mm. It's like, no, did we not just do this in Washington? Did we have <laughs> deal? Like, didn't we just yeah, figure this man. out? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why they're on kind of this, or he more particularly, I don't want to hate the Lakers for their team. Like considering like the financial situations there, and they kind of didn't make the just about the best of it. Not perfect by any means, but right, you know, this really falls back on the Russ decision. Like that's what this is all going to come back to. If the Lakers don't, uh, you know, I know we're talking way big picture now, but the Lakers don't accomplish what they need to accomplish this year. It's it all comes back then on Russ's decision to Mm. be a part of the Lakers or the Lakers' decision to bring him in. Right. You know, look at it. If they don't win it, it's, you know, shame on Russ. If they do win it, it's because of LeBron. Like, Russ is kind of in a no-win situation here. That's a great point. I haven't thought about it like that. I mean, that's how that's how kind of, like, all LeBron teammates are, chose, are, are viewed, right? Like, uh, Kevin Love wasn't necessarily praised for that 2016 run, but he was a big piece to it. Yeah. Like, he was important. And, you know, if the Lakers do win a title, like, Russ is going to be important in that. Mm. It's just, can Russ be okay with not being as important as Russ has always been on non-championship teams? That's a good point. Okay, let's transition down to League Pass. Watches for the week. Um, Again, there's been a lot of good basketball, Ryan, but who, who are you wanting to watch this week? I'm actually watching them right now. I want to watch more of this Gold State Warriors team. It's, they uh, are really fun to watch. They are uh, – they just – they move the ball. It's a fun team to watch. They they defend pretty well, and it's just a smart smart basketball IQ type of team. Um, so I'm going to be fascinated to watch them. They are playing – I'm pulling this up right now. So they're playing the Hawks currently tonight. But then they have the Timberwolves, the Bulls, and then the Hornets, and then the Nets next Tuesday night on TNT uh, to cap out their week. And they're playing the Bulls on ESPN on Friday night. So it's a pretty good lineup there of games this week. Yep. And so my team for this week, we brought them up a couple times in this pod, going to be playing the team you just picked, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, to play Golden State on Wednesday, and then they're they're on their West Coast road trip here. Then Friday against the Lakers, and Saturday against the Clips, and then Monday against the Suns. So brutal schedule there for Minnesota, just the travel and everything. 
But again, incredibly fun to watch. Who cares if they win? Incredibly fun to watch. We'll see if they're actually a legit playoff contender kind of after this run. If you have to go through, I guess, the Suns and Lakers back-to-back, we'll know quite a bit about this Timberwolves team. If they could go two and two on that four-game trip I just mentioned. That's a win. win. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's it for episode 126. Do you have anything else you want to add, Matt, before we uh, sign out? The 2022 NBA draft watch list is starting, Ryan. Oh, boy. The season's about to get going. Oh, boy. Even though we're we're team screwed NCAA, but... (laughs) How uh how deep is your draft board going to be this year? Well, I started similar to how I did last year, which is just a giant list of names to watch and weed out from there. Mm. So it's around like 150. Oh, God. That's way too many of, names. A lot of college basketball. <laughs> That's a lot of college basketball. Way too much college basketball. Yeah. You'll enjoy college basketball while I'm actually watching good basketball. So hey, I'm just weed it out. Just got to weed it out. Are there any Ben Simmons types? In the draft that the Celtics can draft. In what way? Stop it. I was like, <laughs> what way do you mean? Like the, the mentally fragile way or the stylistic way? Uh, the Boston Celtics way, whichever hey. way. <laughs> I'm gonna speak no this trade. I'm gonna I'm gonna speak this trade into existence. No, <laughs> never gonna happen. <laughs> Russ is never gonna have a reliable three point jump shot. It's just never gonna happen. Okay. Oh, this is a fun podcast, Matt. This is a fun podcast. Well, this is it for episode 126. We'll see you back for episode 127. Yeah.